0: Well, listen, I, uh, whether it's uh, timely or not, whether it's appropriate or not, I wonder how many of you watched the debates last night. Uh, I did, and as I was thinking about them, I, I went in and uh, started uh, thinking about what I would say this morning. It is a strange world we live in. Can you say amen to that? It is a strange time that we live in. And I just thought it would be good this morning to, to refocus us on a very simple basic biblical truth. No complication here, no, no, no uh, nuance, no, no gray area here, just bedrock, absolute, foundational biblical truth that is, at the same time, incredibly simplistic and un, un, just incalculable wealth here, un, untold riches and depth you could spend your whole life just studying this one verse and it would be simple enough that a child could understand it and at the same time the greatest theologian could exhaust himself trying to mine all of the wealth here and never do so it is a uh, a simple verse that is the bible's global mission statement it is it is the center of all that we know and all that we believe and i thought In light of all the things going on in our world today, it might be good just to get back to just to the basics and um, just one little simple verse of scripture that you don't even have to turn to. You know it. You'll know the reference the minute. uh, If I give you the first word, you'll be able to say the rest of it. For God so loved the world that he gave, and I've got it in the NIV, but I'm quoting it in the King James because that's how I know it. They gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not or shall not perish, but have eternal life. My goodness. You understand now why I said simplistic enough that a child could understand it, but deep enough that no theologian would ever mind all of the nuggets, all of the wealth, all of the depth in what is presented to us in this verse of Scripture. It's the Bible's, as I said, global mission statement. It's why we exist. It's why we build churches. It's why we advance and plant churches. It's why we send missionaries. It's why we live missional lives as families and as men and women. And why we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a necessary part of a Christian's uh, experience. Because we would receive power after the Holy Spirit came upon us and we would be witnesses. Witnesses of what? That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Everything revolves around this very simplistic truth. I think that's why this verse of Scripture is by far the most well-known verse of Scripture in all the Bible. It's because it so succinctly and so exactly sums up what it is that we're supposed to be about, what it is that we believe, how it is that we live, how it is that we engage in life, how everything should be filtered through that one truth. God loved us so much that He gave I mean, a price, paid a price, gave a gift, instilled such value in us that everything, everything should be measured through that statement. And I was thinking about the events of last evening uh, with just the, the COVID and the racial unrest and all the things going on in our world. And I thought, Lord, just refocus me on what matters. And this is it. God loves us and God loves you and he loves everyone. and I just want to give you a couple of simple but vital truths that are packed into this statement that I think sometimes we forget. At least I do. Maybe you don't, but I forget them sometimes. Just three simple things. I want to look at each one of them and give you some more scriptures that back those up. Just three things. Number one, God loves the world. Number two, God gave us his son. and Number three, God gives us a life. God loves the world. God, do you know that God doesn't hate any people anywhere? Anywhere, you say, "Oh, God does God is against uh, people that do. listen." God hates sin, but even there's a reason for that. It's because it defiles people that He loves. God, you say, God hates divorce, yeah, but it doesn't say He hates divorced people. He hates what divorce does to people. He he hates uh, you know the, the 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 things that he hates idolatry and the things that we embrace, but he doesn't hate the idolater. Uh, he loves him. He. He opposes the proud, he opposes the sinful, he he opposes the haughty, And, and there's all kinds of things like that, but God loves and wants us with him. Let me give you a couple of things along these three truths. Number one, first of all, first, God loves the world. And when the scripture says that God loves the world, he's not talking about the systems, he's talking about the people. He loves all of human creation, all of them. He doesn't just love American Christians. He loves the whole world. He is patient about Christ's return because he's not willing. Uh, Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, he is not willing for anyone to perish, but for everyone, everyone, everyone to come to repentance. So the next time (laughs) you're watching a debate, (laughs) how about that? And you find yourself wanting to knock both of their heads together like I did. Remember, God loves them. God loves the abortion doctor. God loves the white supremacist. God loves the violent protester. God loves the enemy of your favorite cause. God loves those people. He loves them. And consequently, and this is where the rub comes for me, so should I. So should I. And do you know what love does? I mean, goodness gracious, love changes everything. When you love someone, it changes everything about how you engage them. I don't have to love their behavior. I don't have to love their activity. I don't have to love their causes to love them. I don't have to agree with their position in order to represent Christ's love to everyone. You say, well, what if they don't love me back? Here's what I've discovered. Most people aren't going to love you back. So what's that got to do with anything? God loves everyone. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4, through four, Paul writes, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You notice it didn't say just pray for the kings that you like. Kings that are behind your belief systems. Kings that are on your team that say your things. or say. Listen, we are urged to pray for those in authority over us. And listen, this morning, instead of just railing against something... Why don't we put that same passion into praying for something? Praying that God would stir hearts. Praying that God would draw people. Jesus went so far as to say, bless those who despitefully use you. Do good to those who do evil to you. And we're, we're commissioned to be his love. Is that hard? It's immensely hard. Now, I could love them and, and I'm in this political mode for a second. I can love them and not vote for them. I can love them and oppose their opinions. I can love them and oppose their policies. I can care about them, care about their families, care about their souls for eternity. And, and, uh, that's what God calls us to do. Why? Because he did, we care about missions, global missions, because God cares. 2000 years ago on a cold, dark, mid night, shepherds saw the sky light up with a crowd of praising angels. It was the father's birth announcement. His only baby boy, the Lord Jesus Christ was born into this world, born into poverty, born into obscurity, born without deity, setting aside the regalness of heaven. We we begin to get a sense of the passion in God's design, the, the desire, the depth of his desire, the cost that he was willing to go through. Even in the way Jesus was born, we begin to see something about God's enormous love for humanity. Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, we usually read it during the Christmas story, but I love this scripture. I love the picture. I love the picture that comes to mind when I read it. He said, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Get this part. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. God's favor displayed in the giving of this son that we might be saved. God loves the world he loves people he loves those that don't love him he loves those that oppose his kingdom he loves those that defile his word he loves those who set themselves against the advancement of God's kingdom he loves those who propagate beliefs that are completely contrary to the teachings of his word that doesn't mean that he won't judge them but he'll do so not because he's ordained that they would be objects of wrath, but because we choose to place ourselves in a position of God's wrath. God will do it. And I, I'm adding a human, I don't know, sort of a idiom here or, or a saying, but he'll, he'll judge those people through tears in his eyes. He loved them. Loved them so much that he gave his son. The very spot that message was delivered there on that Judean hillside, there is daily conflict between Jews and Palestinians. It's really only a few Jews and a few Palestinians engaged in those hostilities. Satan manipulates human oppression and injustice to stir up tension and aggression. Why wouldn't he? It's the very place God sent his love package into the world. That's why the Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Jesus wept over that city. What do I want you to see this morning? God loves people. God loves the world. The only way we can really have any peace, enjoy any peace, experience lasting peace, is to accept the love of God and to relate to God in the right way and then to give his love to others. So first of all, God loves the world, but how does he love it? What's the expression of it? It's easy to say, I love you. Hey, I love you, man. Man, I love, I love Italian food. Man, I love pizza. Boy, I love steak and potatoes. I love... Yeah, but that word sounds the same, but, but does it really mean when we say, I love tacos? Is that the same word as God loves the world? Well, it sounds the same, and I think sometimes we think of it the same, but it's not the same. There's an expression, there's a thing that God did that gives us an example, and it is a very, very inconvenient expression. Why do I say inconvenient? I wish God hadn't asked me to love like he loves. I wish he hadn't asked me to pick up a cross and follow him. I wished I could just do what feels natural, but that's not what we're called to. That's not what grace has afforded us paul said look i am what i am because of the grace of god and that grace that was poured out upon me was not poured out in vain paul talks about how he worked harder than all of the rest because of god's grace it's hard it's hard to love like jesus has called us to love what's the expression of it how did god show his love number two he gave us his son god gave us his Son. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What's that saying? Jesus is the example of God's love. He's the, he fleshes it out. He shows us what real love is. He gives us an example that we should shoot at saying i love you is not enough it's just not we say it about everything the best way to love someone is to get into their world try to understand why they are like they are to to have some some frame of reference to their point of the world do do you know another word for getting into their world for you know, the old, uh, old uh, American Indian proverb, you know, don't judge someone till you walk a mile in their skins. I'm assuming that's a proverb from there, but that's the way it's always attributed. What does it really mean? What, what's the theological? What's the biblical word for getting into someone else's world? Well, it's the word incarnation, and that's what Jesus did. Why, why couldn't God just love us? Why didn't he just wipe the roll clean? Well, because he had had set something into motion. and He had set a process into motion that required a sacrifice. And it had to be a perfect sacrifice. And that's what Jesus was. But in order to really be a sacrifice for us, he came and understood our perspective. He didn't just keep only a heavenly perspective. Jesus came in and looked through life, looked at life through human eyes. One of the most powerful tools in my life I don't always like what I see, but I think the Lord's given me a, a, a gift, if you will, to be able to sort of cross over into an opponent's eyes and look at my argument through their perspective. It sometimes helps me to see the flaws in my position. That's what the Lord did. Jesus came and he was an incarnate Savior. He became like us. God showed his love. God came into our world in the flesh. He crossed over and understood our perspective. Real love causes you to at least try to understand what the other person is saying. You don't have to agree with it. In fact, oftentimes in our world today, we can't be biblical and agree with certain perspectives. But we can at least have some compassion because we understand how people got there. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. And Here it is. Full of grace and truth. Do you know it's possible to be full of grace and truth? We had a saying that kind of went through the staff several years ago. I said it in a staff meeting one time and Liz Hoffman uh, had a great twist on it. I said... It's better to be kind than to be right. It wasn't original with me. I'd read it somewhere and I said, guys, I'd like for us to try to rise to this, that it is better to be kind than it is to be right. And she said, just like this, she said, couldn't I just be kind of right? <laughs> and I thought that was such a great. No, we are called to be kind, full of grace and truth. That's what I didn't see last night that's why i was disappointed nobody had any grace because you, because of that you really couldn't tell where there was any truth we are called to be people who live in this world filled with truth but also filled with grace let us let us be those people god loved us enough to totally identify with the human condition his birth his life and his death were mortal and yet supernatural. Matthew one twenty three: The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He came to be with us. God showed His love in that Jesus came to die for us. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter five, verse eight: God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we got cleaned up not after we agreed with him not after we finally recognized the error in our ways while we were still in it christ loved us enough to die for us now that's love and that's the example that we're called to emulate in chapter 8 of that same book paul writes this beginning in verse 31 what then shall we say in response to this if god is for us Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on you can rise above the status quo of this world as it relates to how we engage with people. You can be full of grace and truth. Why? Because you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the things that is making me a little weary, just making me a little weary with the, well, I don't mind telling you, with the church. It's how easily we defer to excuses. Well, I can't because. Well, I'm not able to because of. Well, I was going to but, you know. and Well, I meant to but. I was too busy. I, I had too many other things. I didn't have enough. I was too old. I was too Listen. Listen to yourself. You've been the recipient of the grace and the love and the goodness of God. You have had poured upon, I have had, you and I have had, lavished upon us grace, mercy, undeserved kindness. A gift so regal, so immense, so immeasurable, so deep, so wonderful, so true, surely there's no part of my life that that love can't alter. And how could I be too busy? Lord, I was going, but I was just too, Lord, I got too old, I was too young, I was too, no, no. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Well, you know, I don't, I don't like so, well, Come on, let the grace of God fill the body of Christ. I'm not asking us to be soft on crime or, or, you know how I use that phrase, if you don't know the words, I'm not asking you to check your brain at the door. No, I, I just think, though, that we are supposed to be filled with grace and truth, both, not one or the other. There's a balance in that verse, grace and truth. Why? How do you do it? Because I've been made, you've been made, we've been made more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Won't you say this with me? Yes, you can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can love the unlovable. Yes, I can give when others won't. Yes, I can forgive when people don't deserve. Yes, you can. Why? Because you've been made more than conqueror in Christ Jesus. You can rise above it. Yes, you can. I'll say it to you in Spanish. You can do it. Number three, God loves the world. God gave us his son. Number three, finally, not only did God give us his son, but God gives us life. You know what? I don't know how long I'm going to live on this earth, but I'm pretty much determined to live it all the way until I'm done. I don't understand those that would rather walk around sort of in a Listen, I know life can get hard. I've been through difficulties in life. But those things are not going to... They don't have the authority to rob me of my joy. I refuse to allow them to do so. God gave me life. And I think you ought to live it. We said it already. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's life is called eternal. Now, here's what I want you to notice. I think some people think, when they think of that verse, they think of the fact that someday I'm going to die and go to heaven. I've got eternal life. But do you know that the life that Christ has afforded us is not supposed to wait until you die to begin? <laughs> you ever think about that? Yeah, you're going to have eternal life someday. You're going to live in misery, and you're going to be Eeyore walking around. Oh, it's just so terrible. Everything's... No, you've got life right now. God's life's called eternal. John 3, 36, a little later, he said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. The moment you gave your heart to Jesus, the moment his grace came in, John 10 10 became true the thief comes to steal kill and to destroy but I have come that you might have life right now and that abundantly life you ought to you ought to be a life-giving force every room you walk into you ought to bring life I see so many who claim the name of Jesus and it's like I don't know it's like they're it's 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 like all the life's been sucked out of them I don't, I don't comprehend it. I I I see people I have seen people all my life deal with enormous hardship enormous difficulty enormous life threatening illness and devastating financial ruin and relational Tsunami waves that come in over them, and them come out the other side of it. And they've got this glow. They've got this smile. They've got this reservoir of strength. They come out of it better, stronger, happier. They. I've seen. I've seen people that watch this that never. I mean, never have any of the world's goods, and yet they seem to be the richest people ever. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is bubbling up in them. The, the salvation, the joy of the Lord from their salvation is so captivated them that, listen, they, they, <laughs> they can watch two, Lord, I don't have the words, and I'm not going to say them, two people up on a stage making complete fools of themselves that you just want to knock their heads, and they still have the joy of the Lord. They just are effervescent with with what's going on in them with the Lord. The word is hidden in them. It just keeps bubbling up and renewing their mind and encouraging their faith and strengthening their testimony. And even in the midst of hardship, they don't face it. They live in Thessalonians where Paul said, look, we do grieve, but not as other men who have no hope. Why? Because we believe he's coming again. And it could be today. Do you know it could be today? Today. Could be today, church. We could be out of here. I don't want to get to heaven and the Lord say, Man, you, you were just eking along down there. I thought I'd bring you up here before you jumped off a bridge. <laughs> no, listen, I want to get to the presence of the Lord and have experienced the earnest of my inheritance. The Holy Spirit has been given to me to live with me and dwell with me. I was up early this morning, early this morning, before the sun was up. I went outside. I was up for a while. Then slowly the sun began to creep up over the horizon. I had my garage door up. I was out working on a table for my wife early. I had the scriptures playing on my, off my phone, on my speaker. And the sun was coming up. And man was the presence of the Lord there. Oh, my goodness. We've got so much of his grace and his love and his goodness, we ought to just go ahead and live. He gave us life. We ought to go ahead and live in it. Eternal is more than endless existence. It is both a future immortality and a present quality of life. It is God's life being expressed in us now. Listen to what 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 14 says, And we have seen and testify. Listen, I not only saw it, I'm telling about it. We have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him. Not that you'll just be in heaven someday. God lives in him and he in God. What a man, what a concept. I'm living in him and he's living in me. Come on, devil, bring it on. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's living in me. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. He's alive. Remember the old coffee makers? Before we had Keurigs and and I don't know all the other ways that we make coffee. I can remember... Early when I was a kid, my grandfather used to have a percolator, and not an electric one, a percolator that you set on this gas stove. And he'd, he'd get up in the morning, he'd put the coffee inside there. There wasn't any Mr. Coffee. There wasn't any instant, maybe there was instant coffee, but, but that was sacrilege. you know. And he'd get the little thing out and put the coffee in it and clean it off and put the top on it, and put the water in, put the thing on, close it up. Had the little sight glass on the top, turn the fire on and go over and get his paper, and he'd sit down. This is my grandfather, this is my papa, that's what we called him. And the coffee'd begin to heat up and slowly whoop, you hear that hear that little noise. And you'd look over and suddenly it would it'd start perking, it'd percolate. I still use that word to describe what it is that the Holy Spirit does inside me. He begins to percolate at times. He begins to bubble up. He begins to, in the scripture, that's good theology because the scripture says, from out of your bellies, from your innermost person, shall flow rivers of living water. Supposed to be something percolating in you. Constantly bubbling up. Constantly motivating. Constantly changing. All of it coming out of the love of God. Coming out of who God is. Pastor, you're pretty cranked up. Yes, I am. I got cranked up early this morning. Just bubbling in you, the Spirit of God just bubbling and percolating and and bringing a sense of His presence and His goodness and His love and His grace, full of grace and truth. It's time for the body of Christ to recognize that we are life givers. We carry the bread of life. We are My ordination service, I still remember the message that the guy preached. He said, all you'll ever really be is a bread man. Just deliver the bread of life. Come on, it's time for the body of Christ to come alive and get filled up with life again. Quit walking around filled up with death and no testimony, no, no belief, no trust, no life, no goodness. Is there hardship? My goodness, this world is filled with hardship. What's that got to do between us and the grace of God and His love poured out upon us? Mm, we know that He's in us. In this world, we are like Him. 1 John. In this world, We are like him. What a statement. God loved our world enough to come into it. God loves our world enough to give his son for it. And God loves our world enough to live in it by living in us. That's what he's left us. That's who we are. And I can tell you right now, no presidential election can take that away. Cancer can't touch it. Poverty can't remove it. Greater is he, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. God loved the world so much that he gave. And that truth resonates in the hearts of believers. He loves me. He's for me. I'm abiding in him. He's abiding in me. I'm hiding his word in my heart. I'm not going to sin against him. I'm walking according to the steps that he's orchestrated because my steps are ordered of the Lord. Your steps are ordered of God. Father, this morning, would you bring life and that abundantly to each person watching this and those who might later. Let life so infuse who we are. Let the light radiate from us. Will there be seasons of weeping? Yes. Yes, there will be. Time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to mourn, time to weep. It happens. This is this isn't heaven. There'll be hardship. But Lord, don't let us grieve as other men who have no hope. We know you. Lord, when I engage in this very difficult time, let me do so as one filled up with your grace and truth. Grace and truth. Oh, Father, I pray you would encourage every individual today Lift them, strengthen them. Let them be resolute in you. There'll come temptation. There will come trial. And there will be a cross to bear. But in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you. I pray you'd guide us, encourage, strengthen, fill this day with your presence. Let us be your people. Help me not forget who you've called me to be. I thank you, and I love you, and I bless you. Why me, Father? Why me? I'm happy just because you chose me. You've surrounded me, Father, with people that care about me. I thank you, Lord. I bless you, and I love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Hey, you don't have to be down today god's love is with you and his life is in you so let it out let it percolate out let's spill out good measure pressed down running over i love it right. hey uh, it's been great to be with you this morning we'll be back here tonight at seven o'clock uh, you can come in person uh, to our wednesday night study seven o'clock in the cafe a great study we're beginning we're beginning the book of acts uh, we're going to work our way through it i'm excited about about studying the book of Acts. I don't think we've ever done so, so it's, a, it's going to be a brand new study, and it is such a great, a great section of scripture. We're going to have a good time looking through it, so join us at 7. If you can't be here in person, join us right here online, 7 o'clock, and then we'll be back here uh, next Sunday morning, 8.30 and 10.30, both streamed and live in the room. Our, our services are growing in attendance. We have the largest number of children that we've had Um, And watch this. We are still taking all the precautions. We disinfect. We clean. And to our knowledge, we've not had one transmission. People have been safe. So uh, it's time to come back. Come on back. Uh, We we need you involved and uh, lots of things to do. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you back here online or in person at 7 o'clock. And then we'll see you this weekend. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye.